Praise the Lord. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. Let our hearts be filled with thanksgiving as we enter into his presence together as a body. And we stir up the spirit of praise, of thanksgiving inside our souls. Let us not let the rocks cry out for us. Let us not let creation cry out for us, but let us lead creation in worship. That we step into worship first. So let's go ahead and shout his praise this morning, sing his praise, and let everything within us praise his holy name. Yes. Let's praise. Sing, let everything, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'll praise in the valley, I'll praise on the mountain, I'll praise when I'm short, praise when I'm doubting. Come on, church. I'll praise when I'm numbered. Surrounded, praise is the waters, my enemies drowning. As long, as long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh my soul. It's more than a sound. My praise is the shout that brings Jericho down. As long, as long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh my soul. Sovereign, I praise cause you reign, praise cause you're 
battle. You never lost a 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 battle. And you never will. And you never will. You never lost a battle. 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 And you never will. And you never will. You never lost a battle. You never lost a battle. You never lost a battle. Because it begins with praise. Some of us want victory, but we don't want to praise. You know, we sing that song, the first song about praise the Lord, oh my soul. Let me say this. That's a Psalm of David, Psalm 146. David could have never gone against Goliath had he not been a man of praise. Because he already went out there in spite of the Israelite army, in spite of them, in spite of the authority of King Saul, who was fearful himself. But because he was a man of praise, he magnified his God in his life every day. He was prepared for that battle. He was prepared with what he had. And that was with his slingshot. And he knew that he served the God that never lost a battle. Because he even says that before he goes against Goliath. He said, you know what? I had a God who delivered me from the lion. I had a God who delivered me from the bear. And I know that I serve that God today. But he was a God that he knew would never fail him because he magnified him. He magnified his God above the circumstances. See, Goliath tried to magnify himself above David. He tried to intimidate David. Your circumstances, your giants in the land are going to try to intimidate you. And you've got to be a person of praise. You gotta be countercultural. You gotta be, I'm not talking about some sort of when we praise when it's popular. Praise when I'm at a praise concert. You know what? That's not really praise, that's a concert. You can praise him, but I'm telling you, praise is when you come against Goliath. Praise is when it's countercultural. Praise is when it's not popular. Praise is when the Israelite army is saying, that's a dumb kid going out against the enemy. Well, I'm telling you, that's the kind of people God is calling forth in this hour. He's calling forth the Davids that say, you know what? The culture around me says I'm full 
foolish. The culture around me says, bow your knee to Goliath. But we will not do it because we are people of praise. We magnify him. I don't care if the world approves of me. I don't care what they say about me. I don't even care what the religious world says about me. You know what I care about? I care about what he says about me. Some of you in this room, yeah, I'm preaching today. It's obvious, right? But you know what? We're called, this house is called to build up muscle Christians in this hour. Do you hear me? There are a lot of Christians fallen by the wayside that have been ensnared by new age philosophy have been ensnared by humanism, have been ensnared by their own flesh, have been ensnared by their own passions. And I'm telling you, this house is called to raise up muscle Christians, the ones that go, you know what? You may not want to take down Goliath, but I'm going to take down Goliath because I know who my God is. David also wrote in a psalm, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Come on, people, magnify the Lord with me. You may have a battle, magnify the Lord. Mag, don't magnify the battle. The enemy likes to make your battle look greater than it is. He likes to highlight what you consider an impossibility. But rather than letting the enemy magnify the battle, what you're to do is magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. He is high and lifted up. He is high and lifted up. And his train fills the temple. His glory fills the temple. His glory fills my life. His glory fills my life. Magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Come on, let's worship. All things but fail. Cause you never lost a battle. No, you never lost a battle. I know.
never lost, you never lost a battle. Sing, you can. Dream. 
tell the Lord how much you love him. Tell him in words from your heart how much you love him. decisions you extend love to us and draw us back to you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord do you love him this morning is that the heart cry that you love the Lord with all your heart mind soul and strength amen you could be seated you know it's interesting while we're worshiping and singing that song I was thinking about the concept of what we do when we love something. You know? Have you ever thought about that? You know? You may love an activity or a, a thing or a person, and you make time. You actually you adjust your schedule according to the level of love you have for something, right? Like th- those, those of you that can't get up early, but you've got a golf date at 6.30, you know? You, 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 can, you can adjust your internal clock to make that golf round, can't you? You know, if you love a sports team, I won't mention any names, but, you know, if they're playing, you'll readjust your schedule accordingly, right? You know, yesterday, the youth were going down to Santa Cruz, and a bunch of the parents were here, and we were talking, and we were talking about all the food we love, all the different foods. And, and one of them actually went to one of the restaurants yesterday that we were talking about after they left here. You know why? Because when you prioritize something, you make it the most important thing that your mind thinks about. And I want to challenge us as believers. You know, we are pulled in a hundred different directions every day on things that are important to us. But scripture says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these other things shall be added to you. You know, you all know I love college football. I don't really watch it much. I just love to tease people, you know. But I was, I was looking at the scores yesterday, and, and my, my team actually played, I think it was a blind quadriplegic team yesterday because they, they destroyed the, the other team by an incredible score. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, why do I get upset when a team I like loses? Half these kids are almost as, my grandkids are almost their age, you know? And yet we could have something like that small, that's insignificant, derail us. When it's really important that we seek first his kingdom. You know, not that any of these things are wrong, unless you're a Cowboys fan. But, uh, you know, (laughs) but whatever we do, we should love the Lord. And let that permeate how we act and permeate how we interact with one another. And, you know, I was thinking about that because in Scripture, in the book of Colossians, Paul's writing to the church in Colossae, and he says to them, and I, I love this because he says, whatever you do in the church, is that what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23? No, he says, whatever you do. So it doesn't matter if you're at work. It doesn't matter if you're relaxing. It doesn't matter if you're walking along Santa Teresa Boulevard. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Whatever you do, he says, work at it with all of your heart. You know what he's talking about? He's getting your emotions involved, getting yourself 
integrated into what you're doing. And he says, not only do you just do it, but he says, do it to working to the Lord. And I love that because he says, not to your human masters. You don't work for people. You know, we don't work for the man. We work for the man. You know, long before I was your pastor, there was a group of people that went to Cuba from this church. I think Danny, Quinn, you guys were there. Mark Perry was there. And they told me a story once when they were building and some of the Cuban authorities came by and they were building a church building. And as they were building it, the, the authorities came by and wanted to know why they were building the, the, the property and who gave them permission. And I believe it was the pastor, If this, correct me, Mark, I know you will, but correct me if I'm wrong. The, the pastor stood up and said, who gave you permission? He says, El Jefe. And the guard thought he meant Fidel Castro. <laughs> but he meant the Lord Most High. And when you have that perspective, it doesn't mean it's all going to be easy for you. But your perspective changes in how you do things. And the Lord wants us to love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. That's why Paul could say to the church in Galatia, in chapter 6, verse 9, he says, hey, don't, 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 don't allow yourself to become weary in doing good. You know? There's a thing called compassion fatigue. Where if you're doing good and you're seeing these horrible things all the time, you, sometimes you get to the point where you go, enough is enough is enough is enough. But if you're doing it in your own strength, it will be enough. But if you cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, and you acknowledge him in all your ways, he's going to straighten out those curvy roads and those difficult decisions and those difficult choices you have to make because he knows that he's going to be there for you, and you need to know he's going to be there for you. So, Lord, we just come before you this morning. God, I don't know what we're all going through this week. I don't know what we've all hit roadblocks on or, or maybe some tough decisions we've had to make that have kind of, kind of put you in the slow lane and put us in the fast lane. Lord, can we just pause right now? Like the psalmist says, have a moment where we do a selah, where we stop and we reflect on what the word of God is saying to us. And I pray that, Lord, our hearts can be recalibrated, that we can have a spiritual front-end alignment, that we can put ourselves back into a mindset that we acknowledge you first, that we seek you first, that we lay our decisions down before you and say, Lord, if this be your will, and then, Lord, we listen to what you say to us. I pray that we could be like the people like Paul was instructing in both Galatians and Colossians, Lord, that we can not grow weary in doing good, but, Lord, that we can also work as working unto you. Lord, give us a, a resolve in our spirits to do that. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Here's the cool thing. Scripture says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. So if you don't know how to do something, ask the Lord. You know, it's amazing how many times we try to do it on ourselves, and it's like, you know, we, we get up against the wall, and the Lord says, just ask me. I just want to give you wisdom. Amen? Hey, those of you that are uh, here that are going to Poland, do you guys want to come on up? Those of you here and you're taking off to the Poland trip, come on up. We're going to want to have a time of prayer for you. 
These are your missionaries this week and next week. Look around those that are here. Take note of these, and especially those that are up here without their spouses. Got to pray for them. They'll be a lot thinner when we get back. Their spouses, that is. (laughs) You know, part of the Great Commission is to go. But part of the Great Commission is to pray. Scripture says, pray that the Lord will bring up workers in the harvest field. Well, these are your workers in the harvest field. And for the next two weeks, they're going to be traveling and working and serving our brothers and sisters in Poland. And we'll be doing a uh, women's conference. And we'll be doing some uh, training of pastors, church planters. Quinn, our glazer, is going to be a mason. And he's got a really good assistant this week. I told the pastor, I said, if you want us to do stonework, mason work, I'm not responsible for what happens if you have a little, uh, a 2.3 earthquake, you know. But we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. Whatever they, they ask us to do, we're going to do. And we're going to do it as unto the Lord. But I want you to pray for us. And if you get the bulletins or if you get the newsletters, you're going to see their mug shots in here. Uh, pray for us. It's a, it's a seven-hour time difference. Is that right? Seven or nine? 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 Nine-hour time difference? Um, and so pray for us when you get up, pray for us when you go to bed, pray for us whenever the Lord puts you on our heart. And so I want you to just extend your hand towards these and let's pray a blessing over them. Father, we thank you for the servants that you've allowed to go on this trip. Lord, some of us are going, but all of us should be praying. And Lord, we're, we're going to pray and we're going to ask for a divine move of your Holy Spirit upon our team. Lord, we pray for favor with our Polish brothers and sisters. We pray for favor of those that don't know you. God, we pray for favor of those that we run into in the hotels and on the streets. We pray for favor with the the women at the conference and the pastors that are going to be trained, and we pray for protection over us as we travel. Lord, I pray simple things like all of our luggage gets there. We don't lose anything. We don't have any complications, that everyone's health is well. And Lord, we just pray an outpouring of your spirit. Use us in whatever way you seem possible, God. And I pray that, God, there'll be a a breakthrough for our brothers and sisters. I pray that, God, we would be able to come and to help them in in whatever way we can to help unlock what you want to help unlock in that country, in those regions. And I pray that, Father, we would start a spiritual fire in the souls of those that are here. Lord, I pray that there'll be a release of signs and wonders. I pray that, Lord, as we teach the the pastors about operating in the prophetic, that, God, there'll be an outpouring of divine revelation from your word for them, God. I pray that as we, we minister to the women, that, Lord, they'll be set free. That, God, I pray that that the the ladies that'll be ministering, that, God, they'll be like Mary pouring out their oil upon those that are in attendance, God. That there'll be an outpouring of your spirit in a supernatural way, God. I pray that, Father, the aroma of our prayers coming from Morgan Hill, California, will go up into the heavens and drop down into Poland and release something supernatural there. I pray for Earl and Tammy that as we come and bless them and bless the the network that they have that God we would be powerful powerful partners together in what you want to do 
And Lord, I pray even as we visit those churches, those two churches that this church has helped uh, to finance, to build, that God, there'll be such a bond of love in our hearts with our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would help us to enjoy the time that we're away and know that this is just a slice of what heaven's going to be like. And I pray favor, favor, favor on us and on the ministry that we do. And Lord, I pray if we're ever facing anything over there that is, 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 is greater than we understand what we need to do, that you'd speak to the hearts of your sons and daughters here. And that, God, you'd stir them to pray for us. You'd stir them to, to, to realize that, hey, we may be going, but their prayers are just as important as our feet on the ground. And Lord, I pray that together we'll be able to come back and give a powerful testimony of something that you have done that none of us could do by ourselves. But collectively, Father, we can do together that, Lord, we would all work together for the building up your kingdom. And, Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you this day. Now we just bless our team, Father, in Christ's name. And if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Why don't you stand and greet one another? And then Pastor Nick's going to come up and share some announcements. Good morning, Crossroads. Today is such an amazing morning. We get to send part of our church to Poland. And they are, like Pastor David said, our missionaries of the week as long with uh, Tammy and Earl. And I just know there's going to be an outpouring there. And there's going to be a spiritual transfusion there. And it's going to be so amazing. They're going to speak to women, but women is going to pour into their households. It's going to pour into their community. It's not going to just be for women, but that is the door that we are going through spiritually. So if you are new, I want to just say welcome. This is what we do at Crossroads, always just living as missionaries where we are, where we go. And 
If you are new, please fill out a visitor card. This is just to get to know you. Uh, we could get information. We have lots of stuff going on. We just did a youth trip to the boardwalk. It was beautiful weather. Uh, we have lots of stuff always going on, and we want to plug you in. And we also want to plug in families, friends, your community, uh, to bring them in, not to be just an isolated church. That's not who we are. So if you could complete uh, the handout for areas. Do we still have those? Oh, no, okay. So during, uh, if you fill out your information, you'll get emails of what we do also. Uh, we get Friday e-newsletters. E and if you're interested, please reach out. We'll get you connected to the proper person and we could get you to the group. We don't want to delay relationships here at Crossroads. We have our 2023 retreats at Mount Hermon. We got our men's retreat October 6th through 8th. It's a great big group, 27 people going. And guess what? If you want to go, if you know people who want to go, let us know still, okay? Because we'll make it happen three spots left so make it quick for those decisions <laughs> and women we have october 13th through 15th so please be prepared for that start praying for that too because god wants to use you in those retreats as well you're going to have conversations that you probably wouldn't normally have because we're being very intentional going to a mountaintop to have this retreat. So be mindful of that and pray it up. We have Israel tour May 21st through 30th. Prices are 4800 If you want to go, please let Pastor David Basterlin know. Let our office know. Um, we still have spots. Cool. We have spots. I would go. Pastor Rebecca would go, but we got baby Koa. Um, so we already have it next time. <laughs> and this is going to lead us to our ministry partners of the week. I already announced it. Uh, be in prayer over our team, over Tammy and Earl, that there's just a spiritual, mental, physical endurance because every day is going to be work and outpouring and you guys have a part in this to partner with them and be in prayer. Don't think this is just us sending a group and, oh, let's hear the good news when they come back. It's God's going to put things on your heart and your mind to specifically pray for. So I'm really excited for what God has in store over there in Poland. And I'm just going to be eager with their return to here, but I'm also daily going to be eager to be in prayer over them and to have my time with God and go, Lord, I pray specifically over Sarida. And when she's talking to these women that her words are penetrating their hearts. So we're going to prepare offering um, we have lots of ministries going on. If you have specific wants where you want to give your money, please mark that. Because if it's not marked, 
we'll just assign it as general. So write tithes, write kids' ministry, men's retreat, women's retreat, if you want to, sponsor people. These events, if you put it towards that, they could go towards sponsorships, just heads up, or towards making the event a little extra. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you so much for always providing to this house. I pray that you just be with the families as our partners go to pull in and that there's no heaviness mentally, Lord, that they could just lock eyes with you and do everything that you call, Lord, that our eyes and ears are wide open to your voice and your movement. Father, I pray for a sensitivity over all of our hearts, Lord, that when we see a need, we jump with urgency to provide, Lord, because you are ultimately providing. I pray a blessing that there's just more and more in our accounts, Lord, not so we could hoard it or keep it or build up our kingdom, but build up your kingdom, Lord. And it's in these things I pray. Amen. Jesus, we love you. Praise the Lord. All right. Put your seatbelts on. You won't see me for a while. I know I'm an intense person. I really am. I don't fake it. Pastor David and I are both intense. Um, I'm probably a little more intense when I preach than he is, but he's a little bit more intense about cleaning the house than I am. So, you know, it all balances out. <laughs> he is. And I, you know what, ladies? I am thankful. Because he'll clean the shower. He'll scrub it really good, you know. He'll do stuff that, you know, I prefer not have to do because he has that intensity. So, you know, we balance each other out. We complement one another. We are one. We are one as a couple. And so just want to let you know that. But I know I'm intense, so, so it's good that I only preach every other week. Because some of you are like, that's a lot of hot sauce for one sermon. <laughs> that's okay. That's the way Lord made me. I'm going to talk to you about things that get in the way. That's our series, things that get in the way. The goal for you is for you to progress in your relationship with Jesus, to grow in your relationship with Jesus, the most important relationship you have in the world, in your life, in eternity, is your relationship with the Lord. The most important, you, you know what, mamas and grandmas, we love our kiddos. Fathers, we love our kids. Fathers, you love your sports figures. Just kidding. You love your children. But, and those relationships are important. Our marriage is important. But the most important relationship is with the Lord. He knit us together. The Lord knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We will stand before him. At the end, we will see him face to face. And the fact is this, that's why prioritizing your relationship with the Lord is so important. The world works against that. 
Our flesh works against that, by the way. And I'm going to talk to you about our flesh today. I'm going to talk to you about something that gets in the way, and there's three things, me, myself, and I. You know, we can, like, we can, like, blame the devil, rebuke the devil, rebuke the devil, rebuke the devil, and it's really me, myself, and I. That's the hardest thing, I think, to actually accept or actually identify that it's my flesh that's in the way. You know, I was listening to a psychiatrist who wasn't a believer, and this is what he said. And I thought it was kind of an interesting perspective. Although it's true without Christ, it's not true with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, because he was talking about relationships, he's talking about people uh, choosing a partner. And he said this, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. The best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. And he went in to say, he was a psychiatrist, he went in to say how the mind is difficult to change. It's very difficult to change your mind because he said, you know, your mind is actually very lazy and it wants to be on a repeat cycle. Now, I thought it was interesting because without Christ, without the power of the Holy Spirit, it is very difficult and he said, you know, the, the, and they said, well, what's the answer to that? Well, he says, go see a psychiatrist. Of course, it's, the answer is $200 an hour. That's what the answer is. In order for him to help you change those furrows in the mindset, those patterns in the mindset, those learned behaviors that have perpetuated over time in your mindset. But with Christ... With the power of the Holy Spirit, that can be changed. Our flesh can be denied. Our mindset can change. Our thoughts are supposed to change. We're going to talk about that. You say, well, is this in reaction to anything? Sometimes people ask me that. And I say, no, because I've, this, was on, this has been on my heart for weeks. A few weeks ago, in the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up and he said, Lynn, he says, flesh will crucify the good things if you don't crucify the flesh. I know, you saw it. You, um, hmm. I woke up. He said, flesh will crucify the good things if you do not crucify the flesh. Yeah, it was good. And then I, I got up and I knew it was a word from the Lord. So I, and this is the word that was birthed from it. So let's go into scripture. But I want to say this. Scripture, the word, and the preaching of the word, the preaching of the word, it's not for me to placate you. It's not for me to say, yeah, it's okay. Your flesh is okay. That is not the purpose of the preaching of the word. The purpose of the preaching of the word, and Scripture talks about that, but he says about the word itself, Hebrews 4, 12, it's not up here. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's supposed to do that. That's its job. It's to challenge me to change. 
It's to challenge me to, to do surgery in my life so that I come out more healthy, so that I come out more powerful. And actually, the goal is not that I am more powerful, but that Christ's power is manifested in me, that I become more like him, his character. So listen to this, somebody else, a respected person. I respect their ministry. And she said this, an idol is something you draw your strength from other than God. Interesting. An idol is something you draw your strength from other than God. It was, I, I wrote it down because I had actually already had a thought that didn't come from anybody else, but in my prayer time, that, was, that said this, whatever in life is controlling you is your God, even your own fleshly desires. So we're taking the step further that our fleshly desires can actually be an idol. A lot of times we associate idolatry with things external or outside of us. Maybe something like Pastor David says that we have a real priority in our life that we like to do. And it actually pulls us away from Jesus. But what about our own flesh? What about me, myself, and I? Galatians 5.17, we're going to go deep in the word because if it's not rooted in the word, it's not worth it. It has to be rooted in the word. Galatians 5.17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Come on, this is, this is Paul, not me. This is Paul. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You see, the flesh, I put in this, I'm going to use two terms for the flesh. The sinful flesh, but I'm also going to use a term called what we would consider, and I'm going to put it in quotes, good flesh. Okay? Because a lot of times we say, well, sinful flesh. Okay, like lustful thoughts. Okay, we get that. But what about good flesh? That stuff that we are self-sufficient in. Okay? Self-sufficiency. That we can do it without God. We can do it in our own selves, which is a lot of the humanism, the humanistic teachings of this world, the philosophies of this world really encourage. What about those things? Because Paul doesn't just say sinful flesh. I noticed that. He said flesh. He said flesh. Now, we're going to get into those things in a minute. But I want to say that the flesh wants to combat our spiritual man for control. Every day, your flesh wants to combat it, your spirit man for control. And every day, we are to confront the flesh and put it in submission to Christ Jesus. Every day. We, the truth is this. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are not slaves to our flesh or its desires because Christ freed us from that. But we have to recognize that the desires of our flesh can be against the Spirit. And the desires of the Holy Spirit are against the flesh. 
It's going to be quiet. I told Pastor David, today's going to be quiet. <laughs> I was like, you know what I found later? That if you're quiet, I have found that a lot of you laters are like, Pastor Lynn, that hit a nerve. You know what I'm doing here? What am I doing? Texting, right? Yeah, or whatever. See, we are designed to do good things that he prepared for us in advance to do. We are God's workmanship. See, that has always been his design for humanity. But we sin, we failed. We, Eve, Eve uh, agreed with the enemy and said, in a sense, because the enemy pretty much told her, you can be God without God. That's what he pretty much said to her. You can, be, you can disconnect from God and then be God in your own life. But the fact is, that's not true. And the world tells you it's true. Even today, that same, that the same lie, the same deception that brought sin into this world is perpetuated because people believe that they are the God of their own life when they really are enslaved to the enemy and to the philosophies and to things that are actually driving them towards death. They just don't know it. I'm not talking today about, about man-made religion. I'm not talking today about rules and regulations. Some of you have been, some of you were brought up in a church world, a religious world that had lots of rules and regulations. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not crucifying the flesh. It's not rules and regulations that man imposes upon you. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about a godly life growing in becoming more like Jesus. The character of Jesus in our lives. Integrated in our lives. In every area. Not just when we go to church. In our personal life, in our family life, in our marriage, in our community, in your professional life. You know, I was driving today. You know, and I have been most of my life, I'd probably say all of my career, my adult life, my childhood, my teenager life. I have been in, the Lord has chosen me to be in the world of the church. Leadership, education, I know that. I even tried not to be in the church. I didn't say, Lord, sign me up for the church because it's easy. I didn't say that. I begged God, let me go do something else. Let me be a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer. I almost went to school. I almost left my university my, that was a, a Christian university. I was in uh, leadership, in ministry leadership degree, and I wanted to go to another school to be a lawyer. I begged God, and God said no. So as I'm driving today, I'm saying, Lord, you know, some of these people, they're in very difficult circumstances because they have to engage with the philosophies of the world all the time. In their business, maybe you're in a position of leadership, and you're always having to engage in the philosophies of the world, right? And yet God has called you. Come on, I'm going to tell you. God has called you to have the filter of his word even as you engage the philosophies of the world. It's going to be hot. This is coming off hot, Lord. This is coming off hot. And so here I am talking with the Lord saying, hey, listen, what do I know about that, Lord? And he says, it doesn't matter what you know. It's what I know. And he said, you know what? What about Daniel? 
He did it. Why can't they do it? And I said, you're right, Lord. You're right, Lord. Giving me example after example after example of people in Scripture placed in very difficult situations encountering the philosophies of the world, even in positions of leadership that God has placed them in that honored the Lord and were successful. Okay, we're going to move on. Every area of your life must be submitted to Christ. And we have to choose to submit those areas to Christ. And that means, myself included, we have to confront what I like to call, and if you listen to my field to the brim, yes, it's a little plug. We have to confront the kingdom of self. The kingdom of self, which so easily crawls up on the throne of our lives. Because the truth is, our fleshly desires can be very appealing to us. See, our fleshly desires, we can easily find agreement for them. If I want to serve my fleshly desire, I can find agreement. The world is telling me there's, a great, there's an automatic support system in this world for my fleshly desire. I can go find somebody that will agree with my fleshly desire, will applaud it, will say go for it. I can pick up a book. I can turn on a TV show that will say, yes, it's about you. It's about yourself. It's about you. It's about you. Maybe it's even a Christian I can find. Somebody who also likes to cultivate their fleshly desires. Listen, you can find a preacher. You can find a church. You can find, go look on YouTube. You can find a minister that has a lifestyle that cultivates the fleshly desire. And then you say, well, he does it, so therefore I can do it. Listen, this is permeated throughout the church. And I don't mean the church, the real church. I mean the the institution, the organization of the church. And I'm challenging all of us to say, you know what? Kingdom of self goes down. I crucified that. Because I'm not going to feed the flesh. You know, even who we hang out with, and I'm talking Christians included, Not to say that we can't hang out with people who have different views. You know that I don't believe that. But you're you're supposed to be the thermostat, right? Right? And so if you have some bents, if you have some open doors, a lot of times you can get sucked into influence by others who are feeding the flesh. Oh, just give them a piece of your mind. Just go for it. You know it's going to feel so good. You know it's going to just do it. Give them a piece of your mind. Which mind? The fallen mind. The fleshly mind. Give them a piece of that mind. You know how that's going to go for you? That's going to lead towards death. It may feel good in the moment, but it's going to lead towards some sort of death. That's overt. That's pretty overt. What about covert? I don't know, Pastor Lynn. I don't know about stepping out in faith like that. You know, if you confront that issue, you may lose them. You may lose the business. 
If you stand up for your integrity, I don't know, you really, you have a big family, Jose. You need the money, Jose. You better not stand up for integrity in this, Jose. Because you know what that is? That's flesh. I'm getting real with you today. I'm going to be gone for a while, so that's one more reason why. You can be mad at me later. You'll miss me by the time we get back. See, the enemy wants you to think and believe, I am God of my own life. He wants us to believe that because that's the deception that caused the fall. And the flesh can have powerful influence over our lives if we let it. But Jesus came and he died and was resurrected and then gave us his Holy Spirit so that we can have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Let's read it, Romans 8, 5 through 12. You can read Romans, the whole chapter 8 later. Romans 8, 5 through 12. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed, governed, managed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. That means you don't yet have a perfect body. That's what he's saying. You don't yet have the body, the resurrected body like Christ had after his resurrection, which he was the first fruits of the resurrection. So that's what he's referring to. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, Therefore, as a result of what I just wrote, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, this is all about where you're setting your minds. If you set your minds on the flesh, you will live according to it. And it will eventually, according to Paul, produce death. What kind of death? Death to relationships, death to finances, death to hope, death to purpose, death to joy, death to your spirit, death to your peace, death, death to a healthy mind, plagued by anxiety and fear and foreboding thoughts and depression. That's where the mind of the flesh leads. You actually have more power in you than you know. And when we are allowing the mind of the flesh to rule us, we fall into traps. So in Christ in us means that our flesh is not on the throne of our lives. Because we are now governed by the Holy Spirit. 
And we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is what it looks like to have a mind of the Spirit, to walk with the understanding that I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And if you go on and you read chapter 8 of Romans, you will find that you are an overcomer. See, this is what it means. We are now overcomers. We don't have to have the mind of the flesh. We now have the mind of Christ as a new creation. We can now, as a result of having the mind of the Spirit, we can speak to the storms of life, and they can be calmed. We can bring order to chaos through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is never done in ourselves, never. But we can through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, Christ did the work. Let me explain to you something. Some people don't understand this. Christ did the work on the cross. He was a perfect sacrifice. He was resurrected. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm giving to you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit applies Christ's work in our lives. The Holy Spirit is a person and he dwells within us. See, the problem that we face is the fallen flesh works against us, and we must have daily submission to Christ, daily. And when the flesh is reigning, we're not having daily submission to Christ. In Romans 8, he says this, we have an obligation. We have a now, as a result of what Christ has done, he doesn't say, well, if you want to, but you're okay. No, he says, we have an obligation So we are, in a sense, bound to a duty or a commitment. We should have a commitment to be ruled and reigned by the Holy Spirit. Paul, when he says obligation, that's pretty emphatic. He says, as a result of what Jesus did, listen, this is to every believer. As a result of what Jesus did, now you have an obligation to no longer be ruled by the flesh. You're not a slave anymore. He freed you from that. You are now, as Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, it's not up here. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. I have now expelled, excavated, evicted the old man. He's not, I've, I've issued him an eviction notice. You don't belong here anymore. So what about good flesh? Okay, we get sinful flesh. I told you I was going to talk about good, what I call good flesh. It's not really good. But you see, good, you see people doing good things. People give. You know, people help. People are good Samaritans in a sense. They help people. They don't belong to Christ. They're, they're being ruled by the flesh still. They don't know Christ. They don't have the Holy Spirit in it, but they're doing good things. We're all made in the image of God. They're still made in the image of God. That's true. Even when they don't have Christ, they're made in the image of God. You know that, right? However, we can fall into a wrong thinking about even good things. I'm talking to believers here. What we consider good flesh. What we consider doing good things in ourselves. Let me just say, in ourselves. We can fall into a trap of deception that we have some form of self-righteousness that is good. 
I'm going to tell you, this is not going to be very popular right now because it goes against the world. It goes against humanism. That as long as I'm doing, quote, good, that it's okay that I'm not submitted to Christ. I'm not surrendered to Christ. It's okay because I can do good in the earth. But that's not what Scripture talks about. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. All of it. Not parts of it. All of it. And submission and surrender is not part of me. It's all of me. I have been crucified with Christ. Not part of me was crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me in every area of my life. So in the Old Testament, let me give you an example. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really hit this a little hard because there is a false teaching about this. About functioning Christians. And listen, I'm, this is not a message for people in the world. It's not a message for people who do not have Christ in them. Okay? This is a message for you who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. But let me give you an example of people who God was their God. Jehovah was their God. Who chose to step out of obedience or submission or surrender to God. And ended up, and they thought they were doing something good. But then slipped the slippery slope of sin. How about one of my favorite, and I love this character, David. David. Listen, we love David. The man, the young man, who stands before Goliath. We love him. But David, he became king, you know. And you know the story. And what happens with David is he sins because he cools off his relationship with God, and we know that he cools it off because the introduction to his fall, his adultery with Bathsheba, in 2 Samuel, verse, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, the first verse, tells us that David decides not to do what he's supposed to be doing. He's, suppo he's supposed to be a man, a warrior, going out to war, but he decides to take a walk. You all go out to war. You all go fight the enemy. I'm going to take a walk on the rooftop. I'm going to cool my jets. I'm going to step back. And what he thought maybe was okay to do was the slippery slope to sin. Another person. Saul. King Saul. You know, we know Saul ended up disobeying God. That's why David was anointed. We know that story. But did you know that even after Saul had his anointing taken from him, after Samuel came to him and says, if the, your kingdom is being taken from you because he had disobeyed God, did you know that Saul in 1 Samuel 19 still prophesied? With the company of prophets. Went around prophesying. Woo! And he was living in sin. He was living in rebellion. He was living in a life that did not have character. Submitted to Christ. Or submitted to God, Jehovah. 
and yet he prophesied, and they said, isn't he one of the prophets? Let me just say this, prophetic house. This is a prophetic house. I want it to be a prophetic house. In the last days, you're going to pour out your spirit upon all flesh, and they shall prophesy. But you know what? We need to have the goods in the character. In the submission. You know what? You go on YouTube, there's all kinds of prophets. It's very popular now. Prophesy. And you know what? Some of those prophets are prophesying some fleshly things. See, the word for gifts is charisma or charism in the Greek, which means grace. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are poured out gracefully. But you know what? The being used to prophesy or to heal, you know, touch, pray for people in healing, that has never been in Scripture the standard of uh, being mature in Christ. It's not the standard in Scripture. Actually, if you read Corinthians, you know that it's not. Because they had issues that Paul is um, addressing in their character. And yet they're a very prophetic, gift-based house. I'm saying to us, all of us, doesn't mean I don't want you to prophesy. What I want you to do is crucify the flesh. So that we don't prophesy according to our own flesh. But rather, we're in submission to Christ in our daily lives. Listen, you know what? I don't care as much as what somebody else in your ministry says about you. You know what? I care about what your child says about you. I care about what your teenager says about you. I care about what the janitor says about you. Are you kind? Oh, come on, Jesus. Are you loving? My heart, I have a big heart for pastor's families. I come from a pastor's family. I functioned as a pastor for many years. And I want to say that we, being used by God, need to make sure that we're the same person in our home. In our words. With our tongue. See, yes, the flesh has a support system. The flesh does have a support system. But you know, the spirit in you also has a support system. You have the power and the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And the power and the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you means that you have the Word of God at your disposal. See, a lot of times we say, well, you know, I'm having a hard time with the flesh. Are you in the Word? Get in the Word. You have the Word of God. You have the Logos written Word. You have the prophetic Word, the rhema Word. When you're reading the Word and it comes real to you, it just like highlights to you. You have people that pray for you, that speak over your life. You have the community of faith that helps your spiritual support system. You have the leadership of the church to build you up. That's what Ephesians 4, 11, 12 tells us that we're supposed to do. You have the great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on. You have a support system to live by the Spirit. 
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Sin hinders us. Sin causes us not to run with perseverance. Sin entangles us. Sin causes us not to fix our eyes on Jesus. So scripture is telling us this. You have a support system. And you have a responsibility. Oh, we don't, didn't Jesus do it all for us? He did it all for you to have it applied in your life. And there is a responsibility. And it's daily discipline of submitting yourself to God. Daily discipline of submitting yourself to God. Let's read Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't like the last one there, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Okay. The fruit of the Spirit are set against the crucifixion of the sinful nature and its passions and desires. He lists the fruit and he says, guess what? This is what crucifies our sinful nature. It's against, see, when the fruit, see, the fruit comes from the root. doesn't say that about gifts. The fruit comes from the root. Where are you rooted and grounded in? Who are you in submission to will produce fruit. And the fruit, the enemy doesn't want fruit in your life. Oh, prophesy all you want as long as you don't have fruit because eventually your prophetic and all of that can be a stumbling block to people who walk your life. This is a hard word, I know, but it's what, this is foundation. This is what creates stability. See, the fruit is what crucifies our sinful nature. Let me give you an example. Daily submitting, daily surrendering. This week, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, my life, I had a dental appointment. Yes, I hate the dentist. I don't like the dentist. I don't hate them personally. I just don't like the idea of dentistry, but I have to have it. I had a big day. I had the biggest day of my week was going to be Tuesday. I had meetings from the very early morning till the end of day. So it was just a teeth cleaning. So, you know, I spent time with the Lord in the morning. I get up and go to my dentist. And, of course, they're behind. It's only, it's a 9 o'clock appointment, but, of course, they're behind. So, of course, I'm feeling a little bit irritable about that because I also have things to do. So I'm already starting to get fleshly. Come on, just being real. Fleshly. Trying to say, you know, Holy Spirit, I spent time with you today. 
I spent time with you today. I crucify that, Lord. So I get it. Finally, they call me. It's late. They call me in. And the hygienist, God bless her heart, was a woman who was retired, but she was called back in because of vacancies for hygienists. And she was a chatty Kathy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and she wanted to talk. And all I could do, I mean, it made me feel irritable in, my, in myself, in my flesh. I felt irritable. And I knew that was wrong. And I said, Holy Spirit, you got to help me right now. Because my flesh is really fighting me to be irritable with this woman who is just chatting away. I just said, please clean my teeth. Don't chat. It takes you twice as long. That's what I'm thinking inside. But the Lord is saying, you know what? You need to crucify that. And you need to be kind and patient and loving and engaging. So I, I started engaging. And she says, oh, you know, I think I've done your teeth before. And I thought, yeah, you have. You, I, I did remember her. And uh, she said, don't you travel? I said, yeah, actually, I'm going on a trip this weekend. She goes, now listen, and this isn't the only reason I should have been kind, but she says, I think I remember that you're a pastor in Morgan Hill. Whoa, how do you like that? <laughs> See, the enemy was trying to get my sin or my flesh to entangle me, to be a bad example to this woman, to be a bad, so that she could say, you know what, that pastor is on, on Sunday, she's also spiritual, but in the dentist chair, she's a jerk. I'm being real. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But because I had spent time with the Lord that morning, and I had submitted myself to the Lord, my filter was ready for it. I'm going to challenge you. Give the Lord. You say, well, yes, Pastor Lynn, I fight that flesh. I understand what you're saying. I'm going to tell you one of the major keys to fighting the flesh and having it surrendered and submitted to Christ daily is giving the Lord the first of your day. I know some of you don't like that. I don't care. Because you need to give the Lord the first of your day, even if it means simply setting your heart and mind on him and, and his voice as you move throughout the day. Let's read Psalms 5.3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Psalms 119.147. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. Psalms 143.8. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Just examples. Jesus. Jesus, Mark 1.35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. How do you put yourself in submission and surrender to the Lord? You know what? Give some time to the Lord in the morning for prayer and be in his word. That's not popular. But that's denying your flesh at the beginning of the day. You're saying, flesh, I'm putting you in submission. I'm yeah, you can get your coffee. Okay. Bring it with you. Jesus is okay with that. Get your coffee. Bring it with you. 
Give the Lord a tithe of your day. Now listen, I know some of you have busy lives. I know some of you are young moms. I know some of you are young moms in your work. I know the story. I've lived some story. I know that people have different seasons. I know the amount of time. I have much more time now than I did when I was raising three children in a ministry full time and doing my doctorate and doing this and that and all the other things. But still, what set the filter, what set the course, what set the stability was giving him time at the beginning of the day beginning of the day because my filter is a certain way when I give him time at the beginning of the day. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. We always go back to Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you. In other words, this is urgent. I, I persistently persuade you. I have a strong desire to persuade you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect perfect will. Therefore, in the morning, I submit myself to him. You may have only five minutes. You may have to do and put it on your, your commute to work, put on scripture, put on praise work, music after scripture, not instead of the word. You want the filter of the word of God because you don't know what you're going to face that day. You may think you have control of what that day is going to face, but the fact is this, you don't know. But one thing that this scripture says, if you offer yourself as a pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord, you will know what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is for the situation that you come against. So my creator, I don't know. I don't know. Toss to the, you're like a ping pong ball because you don't set yourself as a living sacrifice. You don't have to be a ping pong ball. You don't. You're choosing to because your flesh does not want to submit to that. I, the word I don't understand. You know how many times people have told me the word of God, I just don't understand it. Well, if you don't read it, you're never going to understand it, number one. I had one person, it wasn't even in this country, different country, I won't, won't call them out, said, I just don't understand the word. I said, do you go on YouTube? Yes. Do you go on Facebook? Yes. Do you go on Instagram? Yes. Do you look this up? Yes. Do you read that? Yes. You mean you can read all of that, but you can't be in John 1. In the beginning was the word. See, come on. If you can look up a recipe, you can pull up a scripture. If you can look up the sports, the game, you can look up the, the score. If you can look up how your bank account's doing. I'm being real with you. I'm being real with you because I don't want you to be a ping pong ball. I want you to have a filter. I want you to know how to discern what God's good and perfect and pleasing will is for your life. You do have a filter for your day. You can, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, you can pray without ceasing. But you got to set yourself on the word. And then you go out throughout your day praying 
being aware of his presence, being aware that he will communicate with you throughout the day. Psalms 1 verse 2 says this, but his delight is the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. See, when you're in the word in the morning, you'll have a scripture to meditate on throughout the day. Be strong and courageous. Or, or it could be, I've been crucified with Christ. It, whatever it is, you have a scripture that the Lord, you know, uh, um, I read a scripture on that day, the dentist day, but it talked about love is patient, love is kind, but in the, the translation it says love is not irritable. It so happened to be that translation that I had read that morning. And what I was going through in that day is like, love is not irritable. And you have an irritable spirit right now. See, there are many benefits to giving God the first of your day. And some of us want to walk through our life without the gasoline or the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we rebuke the car. Why didn't we fill up? We rebuked the car, but really we just needed to fill up. And a lot of us, we think how the day's going to go, but a lot of times the day goes a lot longer than we think. We may think how the journey's going to go. I got enough gas from yesterday's gasoline. But the truth is this, you have no idea how, what you're going to face in that day. You don't know what kind of decision you're going to have to make. And you can continue, even in the giving God the first of your day, you can continue to make excuses. And you will find agreement with those excuses. And that will keep you in the cycle of being fleshly. And it will keep you in the cycle of keeping me, myself, and I on the throne. Because if you go around looking for agreement for your excuse to not submit yourself to the word of God, you will find it. Listen, you say, Pastor Lynn, why are you talking like this to us right now? I'll tell you this. You say, Pastor Lynn, what's your secret for living a powerful life? That's it. It's not, it's not, I got a degree, I have a doctorate, I have this, I was raised up by godly parents, la, 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 la. No, it's daily getting up, sometimes four in the morning, matters what my day is going to be, and I say, Lord, I submit myself to you. That may mean I have to go to bed at 8.30, turn off the tube that doesn't really have anything good on it, you, I'm being real, not, not, nothing better than what you're going to get in his word to give you gasoline, give you strength. Are you perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But you're to grow. You're to grow in this. There are times when babies, we don't have expectations of babies, but we do have the expectation that they will grow. And we also have the expectation that there's a day when the diaper comes off. Right? Or unless there's a big problem. Poise. Put your money in poise if you don't think diapers should come off. <laughs> there's a day when your diaper comes off, even spiritually, that you grow. And as you clock in your time with the Lord, 
investment with the Lord, relationship with the Lord, you should grow. There's a danger for believers, for Christians, for people who say Jesus is my Lord and Savior to continue to live by the flesh. I'm going to be clear with this. There is a danger for that. When you're young, when you're little in the Lord, when you're new in the Lord, there's, there's a less of an expectation because you're just learning. And Paul talks about that. It's, it's um, having milk. They're not ready for the meat of the word, and they're just learning. But when you've clocked some years, and you're still living by the flesh, there's a problem. And the problem is you're going to become a stumbling block. Because you're supposed to be growing. See, there's a, a responsibility we have to not live by the flesh. And that responsibility is not just for our own lives, but it's for the weaker. It's for the young in the Lord. So that you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy was his spiritual son. And he writes this to him. Because Timothy is now going to be a pastor. He's the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And he tells them something really important. He says in 1 Timothy 4.16, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Why does he say life? Not just doctrine. Life. Where's your root? There's your fruit. There's your life. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. See, my life affects you. Your life affects others. And a lot of times we've gotten away from that. None of your business kind of is. Well, Jesus says it is. Matthew 8, 6, 18, 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble. If you cause somebody who believes in me to stumble. If you cause a little one. Yes, children. Yes, age, children. But what about little ones in the Lord? If you cause them to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Paul says to the Corinthian church, the ones that like to prophesy but didn't like to live character, he says this, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Rebecca, come on up here. The church, and I'm talking about the organization of the church and things that are stated, and I am very exposed to the teachings out there. There is this idea that flesh is okay. It's okay. But I'm going to tell you that's not what 
the Bible said. Living by the flesh. Now, what are we to do? We are to cause our flesh to be in submission to Christ. When Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected to new life, he had a new body called, according to scripture, the first fruits of the resurrection, of the resurrected from the dead. We will also one day have a body like him. But there was something else there, and he said, and we read that in Romans chapter 8, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. In other words, now you can have authority over the flesh. You now have authority over the physical. It no longer rules and reigns over you by the power of the Holy Spirit, being governed by the Holy Spirit. He was reinstating something here. Jesus was reinstating what he had, what was intended in the Garden of Eden. What was intended in the Garden of Eden was that Adam and Eve would be the delegates to the earth. God's delegates to the earth. But they had to be in connection to God. They weren't delegates on their own. They had dominion because they were in connection to God. They represented God. And then the enemy said, oh, no, no, no. You can do it in yourself. You can do this in yourself. And when that happened now, the physical or the flesh reigned over them. But Jesus said, okay, guess what? I have, you don't yet have, your body is not yet perfect. I know I'm aging. I got wrinkles. But guess what? There's a spirit inside of you. And it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And now you can rule and reign over that flesh. That flesh that wants to rise up in you. You crucify. You say you don't belong here. You're going to go. There's some flesh that I have crucified. There's some flesh that I am crucifying. You know what I'm talking about. Because we're on a growth trajectory. We're being made like Christ. So next layer, next level, Dallin. Next level, new stuff. New stuff you're going to crucify now. But he says, I want you to live life in the spirit on earth. I want you to have overcoming power here on earth. I want you to have a mind governed by life and peace. You don't have to have your mind being governed or ruled by anything else. You don't have to have your mind assaulted by anxiety and fear. Come on, Jesus. I want you to stand with me. You don't have to have that. Scripture says in Philippians, let me read it. I didn't get to that scripture today, but I'm going to read it to you right now. Because some of you, you think your mind is in submission to fear and anxiety. But the truth is this. Your mind can be guarded. Your mind is guarded. Come on, Jesus, help me to find this scripture. Is it on the screen? Oh, you're so good back there. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He sets guard at your heart and mind. What do guards do? I'm not letting that come in. It doesn't belong here. It doesn't, nope, you got to go. Because my heart will, you'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I want your peace. I want the life of the Spirit to guard me. And Romans 8, 6 says, the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Some of you in this room, you're letting the mind of the flesh predominate. But it's taking in the form of fear and anxiety. It's just the mind. Listen, I'm going to be real with you. The world tells you you don't have any victory over that. I'm telling you the mind of the Spirit has victory over that. You just take every thought captive and you bring it under submission. You say, well, I had that thought. Well, take it captive. Bring it under submission to Christ. It doesn't belong. The guard says no. You can't come in. It doesn't belong to you. There is nothing lacking in you. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is saying, I did it all for you, and I gave it all to you. And there is every resource I have available to you. There's every resource. He says, I did it all for you to give it all to you <laughs> so that you can do what I just said in the word. You're not governed by the flesh. You are governed by the spirit. I don't care what addiction. I don't care what pattern. I don't care what generational habit, what they call generational spirit that's been handed down to you. That is broken. That is gone. That is extinct. That is excavated. But you have an obligation. You do. You have the obligation to live by the Spirit. And it takes submitting yourself every day to the things of the Lord. Every day. Early in the morning, I rise up to greet you, Lord. I may only have 10 minutes right now, Lord. But I set my mind on you. I set my spirit on you. I set my, I meditate on your scripture. This scripture is going to go with me through the day. The filter of my mind is going to be through your word. And I know that you said, if I lack wisdom, I just have to ask of you. And you generously supply it to me. I know, Lord, that your will, your good, perfect, and pleasing will is not hidden from me. But you want me to know what your good, perfect, and pleasing will is for this situation, for this problem, for this challenge, for this decision. Holy Spirit, right now I just want you to, I want you to submit yourself to the Lord. 
Some of you, you do pretty good in good flesh, but it's a slippery slope. And all of a sudden, your temper is hot. I'm, being, I'm getting real. You're like, oh, you know, I'm running on some gas. Yeah, I haven't been in the Word for a couple days, but I'm doing okay. And all of a sudden, bam, you hit ice on your road. Your tire burns out. And I'm talking your life tire, your person tire. You encounter something, and you don't have the well to draw from. You don't have the extra oil like the virgins to draw from. And you spin out. And you're like, where did that come from? Came from walking in the flesh. It came from thinking, I'm okay. This word's not from me, Pastor Lynn. I'm okay. Everything's also, you know what? It's good until it's not. Holy Spirit. I want you to grab the hand next to you right now. Just grab the hand next to you. Some of you in this room have struggled with this very thing. And your walk with the Lord has been a ping pong ball all over the room. And the Lord's like, you know what? I want you to be rooted and grounded. In me, I want you to walk by the Spirit. I want you to deny the desires of the flesh. I want you to know that walking by the Spirit is overcoming power, is victorious power in your life. It is what it means to have abundant life. The world cannot give you abundant life. It looks abundant for a time until it wilts, until it dies. But he said, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. Dwelling in me, yes, there's tears and sorrows and there's laughter and joys in life. But he's with you in every circumstances. He's with you being rooted and grounded in him, his word. He guards you. He guards your mind. He guards your heart. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. Some of us, we need to make a commitment right now in this time that you're, they're going to give you the first fruit of their day. They may have a long day. They may commute a long time. They may be business owners. They may, may be moms of small children with babies that wake them up in the night and they feel exhausted. But Lord, we know, Father, even in the night, you love to speak to us. Even in the night, Lord, even when we're tired, Lord, your word is true. And you still give us your strength and your power. Lord, whatever season of life that we have, how busy it may be, Lord, we prioritize you. You are the Lord of all our life. Lord, and in giving to you our first fruits of our day, Lord, we set the course. We set the filter. We set our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. Lord, we, we put that gas, Lord, in the, in the tanks, Lord. So no matter how long our day goes, how wearying it may be, Lord, we have your presence with us. We, we feel your presence with us. Thank you, Lord. We make that commitment, Lord, as a house today. 
This word is not meant to condemn. This word is meant to challenge. This word is meant to, to pull you up over the obstacle that you've been facing. This word is meant to break off the agreement of excuses. We break off the agreement of excuse. And we say, Lord, I give you my first fruits. And as I give you the first fruits of the day, I know you cover the whole day. Because I am in agreement with you. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. God bless you. I want you to have a great week. Pray for the Poland team. We leave in the evening tonight. And be here next Sunday. We've got a powerful preacher here next Sunday.